Good day. I am back. That's the title of this episode because yesterday was my first day back into a commercial gym in a long time, pretty much since the lockdowns and all that started. I, I did do a lot of, uh, well, not a lot. I did do some home workout stuff, like calisthenics and that, but, you know, it's not the same. I, I don't tend to get well, highly motivated for those types of things. Um, I'm going to, so I'm going to talk a little bit about my first day back to the gym, which was yesterday, and what it's like to be back on the horse. First things first, though, I recorded this next segment about a month ago. Uh, I intended to upload it. Thing is, I I had some stuff I wanted to talk through, and and I just re-listened to it and I liked, I thought it was quite interesting some of the, some of the observations I'd made, but I didn't have enough to compliment it, it wasn't quite enough, it was I don't know, five, six minutes of, of that and I didn't so I wasn't prepared to upload it, so I'm going to let you listen to that and then I'm going to come back and talk more about where I'm at now Hey! It is a beautiful sunny day today here in Moncton <laughs> so, um, I wanted to talk about a few things. I haven't been here in a while, but uh, the world's been a funny place lately. We have had so far a uh, pandemic globally. Uh, the U.S. has had some riots and some polarizing, let's say, uh, situations that have spread beyond the U.S. because of uh, a lot of countries think they are the U.S., I think, but that's neither here nor there. Today, I thought I would talk about a couple things that popped into my mind, and who? guess what? I'm going to be back to kind of the, the original intent of this podcast, which is uh, fitness and psychology and the psychology of or, or the philosophies that uh, can can build character and, um, and and help I guess manifest in in physically a physical improvement so that, that sentence wasn't well thought out I, I admit okay so uh, yeah so bear with me here like I said I've been away for a while so I'm, I'm shaking off the rust here, much like I'm shaking off the rust at work. I'm just returning to work now after about three months off, so it's fun times. Uh, Something that occurred to me this morning I was thinking about was when it comes to, is actually, I, (laughs) if you've been following this podcast, a, a few episodes ago I did one about a video game, and I guess it kind of occurred to me that video games, um, as much as they sound juvenile and that, are built on really scientifically uh, uh, sound principles in terms of how people work, and at least the, the ones that last. And that's that you can basically see progress. It feels like you're accomplishing something as you're doing this game. And I think this is one one area where we can be really successful in in our uh, strive for improved physiques and um, 
and improved strength, improved, even improved, um, I guess, mental strength. When we see improvements, when we see real life um, things happening in front of us that we can, that, that create that sense of progress and, and advancement, it's really fulfilling and it drives us forward. Uh, success breeds success. He who has more and more will be given, that kind of thing. But the thing is, sometimes we don't know where to look for those markers of success, especially when it comes to um, to philosophical advancements. Well, you know, if we've been implementing various uh, practices in the way we deal with people and things, it's hard to necessarily know if those have been effective until we see real-life evidence of that. And of course, if we're not looking in the right places for evidence of that, then we won't even see it, in which case it might become frustrating. We might abandon uh, where we've, uh, where we've, or, or the things that have gotten us to where we have, or uh, fall back into old patterns. Um, so I think it's equally important to know where to look when we're, uh, when we're assessing these types of things and we're considering where we're at and where we're going and where we want to be. Um, so that was kind of the, the thought that jumped out at me this morning, um, especially, you know, when thinking about this, the markers of success that this pandemic has had on uh, various people because different people have uh, responded very differently, of course. Uh, some people have uh, advanced themselves and taken the opportunity while those of us like me have <laughs> fallen into slumps. into the routine of things. Um, the, the one word that came to my mind yesterday was humbling. I definitely was not able to use as heavy weights as what I'm used to being able to use. The There was a lot of people in the gym who I suppose I don't know for sure, but it seems like they had been either consistent or they got back into the swing of things faster than me. Um, so I kind of had to plug in my earphones and just go into my own world. Really what I, my focus yesterday was and will be for the next, at least the next week, was not so much um, how, how much weight can I put on on the bar, but more so about form because I know that I've got to retrain my um, my CNS. I've got to get those movement patterns uh, back back because they're not intuitive at the moment. Um, but that being said, I did enough that I I felt it. And this morning I've got the muscle soreness, so that's that's a good thing. It means that I worked myself sufficiently hard. I think. 
Um, so the program that I'm going to use, I've designed to uh, help with both what with my overall conditioning, and uh, it's it's got a bit of a hypertrophy focus. The thing is, I've got um, I've got a wedding to think about, my own wedding. I've and I'm almost exactly well. I'm I'm a month away today, so you know over over the course of this um, this time period of time, I've I don't know. I I've let myself go a little bit to the point where I'm just I'm not comfortable um, <laughs> being. How do I put this? Potentially the the having being looked at, I guess. So um, so anyway, I I do want to get into better shape. I'd like my my suit to fit a little bit better, and at least I've got a timeline. I've got a one month target that I'm I'm going for, and the main focus is to burn fat to get leaner while also uh, kind of getting my muscle tone back back to where it was before um, I think it'd be a bit much to expect to improve beyond where I was jeez uh, how long has it been since I've actually lifted weights it's been a long time probably four months five months um, I did have a chronic knee issue that was creeping up and that actually, that does seem to be better. So maybe the fact that I've had a bit of time to, to over, um, recuperate has probably helped that. So today the plan is go in, do legs and, uh, then cry, I guess. Crawl home and see see where I am. I'm, I have to say, uh, yesterday going back to the gym for the first time, there's this feeling that is hard to describe. Not a good feeling. It's uh, I always called it gym intimidation, where it's like you you know you go in and you feel like you're being looked at, you know, you, you feel very self-conscious, um, and it's not fun, and, and you know, like, I knew I would be not, uh, there, like, pumping a lot of heavy weights, um, I just kind of wanted to get out of there in one piece, really, with, and so your ego kind of takes over, I guess, is, is what happens, but the thing is, it, I was talking about this idea with my wife-to-be yesterday. This idea that I've been working into a, a song that I've been working on. And it's an expression, and I believe it came from Carl Jung, about lighting up the dark parts of the room. Because in, in the darkness, in those dark spots that you fear the most, that tends to be where where the knowledge is that you actually need the most 
so and then we push we talked about that further a little bit with with my daughter and she has struggles because she has um extreme social anxiety uh, it's, it's called selective mutism she doesn't talk to other people um and it's the same thing with her the only way that she'll be able to get out of that really is by you know doing the difficult job of of exposing herself to to the things that she fears the most and facing them head on really so that felt good in the end going felt a little bit uncomfortable but getting through it felt amazing it's like i did this i i accomplished this and i'm the kind of person who i really like to feel that i've accomplished something in a day and if i don't feel that it i don't know i it's just uncomfortable for me i've i've always said that i'm not very good at relaxing i'm not i've never been one of those people who like if i go on vacation it'll drive me nuts because i'll be thinking of all the other things i could be doing while i'm sitting here trying to relax i've gotten better over the pandemic i think because i've had no choice in some cases um and in some cases my motivation was zonked um but anyway being just just accomplishing that aspect of it going into the gym doing a an effective workout um it 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 felt really great once i got through it once i got past that initial um, self-consciousness the the program that I'm doing right now is to accomplish the goals that I mentioned it's well I basically picked up sort more or less where I left off so if you've been following this podcast or if you followed it in the past because like I say the past couple months I haven't had much to contribute here but um, basically it's it's strength training and hypertrophy training intermingled so it's the way i'm doing it is i'm doing three strength training days per week um da, 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 da. Uh, alternating with um with hypertrophy days so the, so the exact kind of setup is so yesterday was strength pushing day so heavy weights pushing today is going to be hypertrophy because i'm alternating strength and hypertrophy so today will be hypertrophy legs the the day after that so tomorrow it's going to be strength again but it's going to be pulling and then i'm going to go back to a hypertrophy day which will i believe that'll be pushing and then strength legs and then hypertrophy uh, pulling I believe I believe if I've got that right so one thing maybe I'll, I'll talk about here it isn't really common knowledge but it might help you help you it might help me in the future uh, I made a decision to go off of a medication I made this decision about a week ago this so i was i was um diagnosed with depression um many many years ago i believe i've brought this up 
I want to say it was, well, it was before I was divorced, so it must have been, give or take, 10 years ago, and I got, I was given a, um, I, what I found was I, I just found, and I think the, the de decline of my marriage played a hand in it, but basically I, I found myself extremely, unconsolably just blue, and like I'd start crying and I didn't know why. It was very bizarre to me, and um, like I said, the, the reason surrounding what happened, I, I don't know, but what I did know is that uh, my father also suffers from depression, and I knew that my daughter had had her anxiety even back then. So I talked to my doctor and um, described the symptoms, and they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds like depression is what we're talking about here. I got uh, on a medication called Effexor, and um, as over time that dosage progressed to um, to where it had been um, up until a couple days ago, which was a pretty high dose, I did try to go off at one time, and it kind of blew up in my face in terms of uh, within about. Within a month, anyway, I don't remember exactly, but within a month, I was like, I was an emotional wreck, and I had to go back on it. Um, so, uh, so I've been on it ever since. I did make the decision to go off of it. I don't want to go into too many details, but on the, the other hand, I do want this documented for future reference, because I don't know how this is going to turn out. One of the one of the reasons that I wanted to go off it for one thing, I just simply don't like being, you know, dependent on a drug. And if you miss a dose of Effexor, anyone who's tried it, it is brutal. Missing a dose about a day, a little bit over twenty four hours into um, your body catching on to the fact that you haven't had it. Um, you'll get some serious withdrawal symptoms. Someone described it as being kind of like drunk, but like not good drunk. I guess that's sort of sort of right. You, you get head spins and it's like the world is spinning. And then, of course, your emotions are messed up because I, th I believe what Effexor does is it, it allows... It makes your emotions a little bit less intense. I mean, it affects your emotions. So obviously, it, you, you know, it has an effect on your brain chemistry and the way you translate reality. So, um, so one of the things um, Nancy and I were talking about, <clears throat> about potentially considering when after, after we're married is while we might want to have kids so you know you always want to have your best shot and for me personally it was it was very hard in my past marriage to to get pregnant so I started kind of looking at my life and all the aspects of it and is there anything that would impair my ability and one of the things that may have an effect is antidepressant drugs so I decided to wean myself off them I didn't wean myself off slow enough. I kind of cut the dosage in half 
one day. And then after doing that, I was like, geez, I feel fine. So I cut it in half again. And then I was like, wow, I, I was like, I'm on a roll here. I'm, I'm getting it down. So I cut it in half again. Then wouldn't you know it, but I got hit like a truck with withdrawal symptoms. And to the, to the point where right now uh, work, the way it's set up is that um, we're, we're in teams of two. And so um, we're only usually working about two days a week, going into the office, I should say. The rest of the days we're doing work from home. But work in the office two days a week. And I actually had to call in sick this because the withdrawal symptoms were so extreme. So those symptoms included, um, again, the dizziness, which is crazy. It, there was this weird swooshing noise I, I would hear. Um, quite, it had just come this kind of sound like um, almost like a plastic bag crumpling or something. I would just hear it in my ears just from time to time. It was weird. Um, and then the there's, you know, the nausea. I'd feel like I was going to throw up. Just It would just suddenly come and then go away and then come back later. It's uh, very sporadic, um, uh, very hard to manage. And then there was, of course, the emotional um, symptoms of withdrawal, which is like, it, it's very hard to describe, but basically I, I was an emotional wreck. Um, I was it, it, feeling extremes of emotions like I haven't felt in a long, long time. And that's both kind of sadness, not when I say sadness, I don't, I don't mean depression type sadness. I've, I'm sure that'll come in time, but what I mean is just just like we were what my kids and I were watching Modern Family and it's a it's a good show like it tends to have like it's very funny but it also has these extremely sweet moments and those would get me choked up um, in this time it's like I, I felt in a way this not not hope this doesn't sound offensive but I felt like a girl because I'd I'd get like choked up and almost almost into tears at some of these sweet moments um, I'd also get bouts of anger, you know, um, I remember one time I was crossing the street with my son and there was this car in the distance, like we gave ourselves plenty of time, but it, I don't know if this was just in my mind that the, the driver kind of sped up just to be a jackass or, or if I was just, just playing one of those scenarios through my mind, but I was actually preparing myself to drop my, we were going, walking home from the grocery store. I was prepared to drop the grocery bags and, and go and fight this guy. Um, which is, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't tend to be terribly confrontational, but I just felt this rage uh, in me that is almost scary. Um, so I felt that I actually, and, and speaking of rage, like I kind of responded to a couple emails I got from um from my new boss at work, we over this time we got a new manager, and and he sent out an email that rubbed me the wrong way. Hindsight, it rubbed everybody the wrong way, but I was the only one to react. Very knee jerk, you might say, very fired up, <clears throat> and um, um, I I had to backtrack that a bit to <laughs> to try to, you know, save face a little bit, um, but. That being said, and just illustrating that 
I haven't had the kind of, I haven't been able to harness my emotions as much as I'm used to. And it's very uncomfortable. I was sitting out on the porch the other day, just playing my guitar. And I started playing the song that I had written for Nancy. And there's a passage in it that I, I um, was inspired by a relative of mine whose wife passed away. And when I was writing this song, I, I don't know, it's hard to write a song for somebody you love and for it to not be cheesy. So the approach that I took is I would write it as a man who he found the love of his life and she passed away and how he's reacting, how he's trying to, he doesn't want to be that kind of man who like, he just falls into a funk and, and just becomes a useless person because I actually, when, again, when I was in England, I, I met two of my relatives who had very similar situations that their, their wife had passed away and they were drifting into old age. One of them, he just basically became a useless kind of blob and to, for lack of a better word. And then the other one, he was very inspirational. It's like he had almost a shrine, but not quite. He basically had pictures that he would put up to his, um, this woman who was the love of his life. And he would always, he had these flowers by, by the picture and he would swap them out. He'd do one color of flowers that he would put at their anniversary and he'd swap them on her birthday or sorry, he'd swap the pictures on their anniversary. And then on the day he'd get flowers and then, uh, to, for as long as the flowers were good. And it was in, so inspirational to see this man who was able to, um, he found, um, this, this beautiful love in his life and he, he had this respect for the fact that he found it. And even though she wasn't with him anymore, he still paid her such respect. And, um, but at the same time, was able to still live and still smile and still be himself in a way. So anyway, um, I, that to me was, I'm getting a little bit choked up now as I talk about it. If you notice the change in my voice, because I'm still, uh, the, the emotions, I haven't figured them out. Um, so anyway, he inspired me to to write a piece of music from the perspective of a widower who he found the love of his life and now he's thinking back on it. And that was how I was able to inject actual emotion into a song that felt kind of genuine as opposed to something that felt kind of lovey-dovey and, and I don't it's just, it's just a hard thing to capture is that because I wrote it for Nancy when we were at the, that part of our courtship where it was new, it was fresh, it was exciting. You know, I, I mean, like I'm still madly in love with her, but it's, it's a different kind of love. It's more, it's our love is maturing. Um, but, but trying to capture into words that, um, that initial, uh, feeling of love, it's hard to translate. So, like I said, instead I took the the route of trying to um, uh, make do it from the perspective of of someone who lost somebody he loved this way. So anyway, I I was singing 
that I was out on the porch just practicing because no no spoilers and and don't tell Nancy this, um, but I'm planning to play that at our wedding for her. Um, so I'm I'm pretty bad with memorizing my own lyrics. I don't know why that is. I've like, and it's only my own lyrics that I can't ever remember. Other lyrics, like I, when I was in grade nine music class, the, there was this game we used to play where it's like you'd have to find a word, a specific word or whatever in lyrics. And I could always do it. And I was an ace at the, like I had lyrics just for some reason they stuck. But my song's not so much. So I'm, I'm relearning the song. I'm getting through it. And the one passage, there was one passage specifically um, where... I'm really I'm basically laying it out on the table. The the lyrics up till this point are kind of like they kind of hint at the fact that she's gone but don't really announce it so much. And then this part it, it really kind of drives that idea home. Um and so anyway, while playing it, I I couldn't get through it. I, I couldn't get through the 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 mute the words without you know, tearing up. So anyway, again, just trying to illustrate the, the emotions are, are, it's been, yeah, like I say, like 10 years or so since I felt emotions this intense. Um, all that to say, I hope it turns out to be worth it. Um, Nancy really appreciates the fact that I'm doing it. I actually, I didn't tell her at first, which was, I know, kind of a stupid move. I, because I thought I could handle it. I'm like, okay, I'll just wean myself off. She doesn't necessarily need to know. Then a couple days in, when I was starting to feel a little bit off, I was like, eh, I better tell her. And, you know, our relationship is all about honesty anyway. So it's like, I'll, I'll tell her just in case something goes off the rails that that way she's got a heads up anyway. So I did tell her and she's been supportive at the same time, very protective of me and, and she's been helping me through it. Um, and, and the thing is, she's been very appreciative. She, she understands why I made the decision to do it and, and appreciates that, you know, it's, it's a decision because I thought it would help our family here and now, as well as in the future. So, um, anyway, I, I really went off track there. That, that's one thing I think the show, this is when it's been at my best. I enjoy when I can go back and, and listen to the show and see where I am in life and some ideas I've come come across. And so I, I hope you've enjoyed this. I think I'm going to shut it down for today. I'm sitting outside the gym, kind of trying to get myself mentally geared up to go and, and, and do legs. That gym intimidation has struck me all over again because, you know, every time you, you go to do a new thing, like yesterday, cause it was push, it's like, go do bench press. Well, the thing is there, you don't want to look like a weakling under a bar, uh, a barbell for bench pressing today. It's going to be the same thing over again, but with squats. And I, again, I know I'm going to be focused mostly on form and getting that back but um, but still, you know, it's like I know I'm going to feel great once I'm done, once I'm back here. Um, but I should get in there. I should stop procrastinating and um, and hopefully the uh, the next time I'm here, my, my thoughts will be a little less scrambled. Hopefully I'll be 
much better, much more on the road to towards um, towards being where I want to be physically and mentally and emotionally, uh, as well as uh, philosophically. You know, I've um, I really like feeling that the, the feeling you get when when a philosophical idea captures you and you're able to grasp onto that and incorporate it and I'm the kind of person that I like to I I know I'm going off on a tangent again here especially when I said I was going to wrap it up but so just in brief the the email that that pissed me off that the the boss sent it it basically it said you know everybody you're expected to be here from eight to four and it's like when it's my turn to go into shift onto shift, I'm there seven thirty at the latest. So I kind of snapped and back and said, "Oh, sorry, is this? Uh, I don't know why you're sending this email, but is it because uh, because I've been going at seven thirty? If so, no problem. I will stop coming in early and just come in at eight, like you want. So a little bit, a little bit sassy." Um, a little bit tongue in cheek, but the fact of the matter is, I don't like that that method of uh, of kind of reprimanding everybody because there was pro- I guessed that there was an incident where somebody might have shown up late. Turns out there wasn't there wasn't even that so the, the the person who was on shift was on time, but somebody else was was annoyed because they wanted to start early. And so the thing is, actually, because I tend to go in early and a couple of the other guys tend to go in early, they got it in their head that they could start early. So when this other guy came, came at the proper time, they become, had become so entitled that they were like, well, I thought I could start early. Well, s- sorry, bud, but, you know, we're on a schedule. If you want us to change the schedule, let's talk about that. Anyway... But that wasn't even how the email came across. It's like, you're supposed to be here from 8 to 4. Well, thank you for the slap in the face. I have been. But I don't like that style where it's like, even even if there was that instance where somebody was late, say, or started a task late, and it affected other people, coach that person individually. Don't send an email to the whole group because you don't have the balls to approach that person. It's it makes the person doing it look like either a chicken shit or an asshole. Um, or what, what's that thing from uh, Team America? It's like there's three types of peoples, pussies, dicks, and assholes. That makes you look like all three at once, actually. Because it looks like you're reprimanding the whole team. So I'm getting shit for something I didn't even do. Uh, the other person... Well, what about the guy who was at fault? You could have t- decided to coach them personally or address this individually. And maybe there would have been a good reason. Who knows? Maybe his his child was sick and, and he, you know, wound up a couple minutes late. Who knows? It could be anything. But Or maybe they, they just slept in. Who knows? But you would know if you addressed them individually. So... So just sending, blasting out an email to the whole team is kind of like you want to humiliate that person. And I definitely 
don't like the idea of managers trying to humiliate their people. Like how, how does that help anything? So why am I bringing this up? Well, while talking to, um, so I sent out my, my response and my, my supervisor was like, he's like, uh, I didn't like the email either, but I went and found out the context and there was sort of more or less a legitimate reason that he felt the need to send it out. We didn't have that information. He agreed that the email was, shouldn't have been sent. It was not tactful. It was not wise. That being said, he, he's like, you can't, I can't control what the, that manager wants to do. What I can control is my response theoretically, <laughs> except when you're on withdrawal, I guess. Um, but anyway, the point is we had this conversation and, and I, I let him know that, you know, when I'm in the, in the wrong, when I screw up, I like being coached. I like learning. Um, I like bettering myself. So if there's something that I I'm doing wrong, I mean, tactfully tell me, coach me, help me be better. And I find that pretty much the same in all aspects of my life. Um, Nancy has been a great help in my parenting style. Cause I, for the last six years or seven years or whatever, I've raised my kids on my own and there's things that I could have done way better. But the thing is you, you don't necessarily know them because you're just in your own world and you're not objective. And Nancy said, you know, has let me know, you know, what you want for what she's, she said this, what do you want for your kids? And so I tell her and she'd say, okay, well, some of the things you're doing, despite your best intentions, won't actually help them get there. It'll actually make it more difficult for them. So, and, and those things are hard to hear. Don't get me wrong. I, and I heard something similar about a different specific case, but from, from my daughter's counselor. And she's like, you know, you're kind of enabling her here. Hearing that you're inadvertently hurting the people that you love the most is not a easy thing to hear. Uh, and you can either react to it by, you know, just denying it and, and fighting it, or you can acknowledge it, take some humble pie and that hurts. It really does hurt, but I would rather accept some of that hurt and stop making the mistakes I've been making. That's me. And that's how I am with all the aspects of my life. That was about a, a five, 10 minute tangent, just to say that basically it's the same thing with philosophical ideas. When I hear something I can grasp onto, yes, it's nice to hear ideas that, you know, you're already incorporating that confirmation bias. It's like, for example, one of the things that I think is, you know, there's responsibility and humility are two of the most important things, especially for young men, but young women too, that they can learn to help them be good members of society, um, helpful to the people around them. Those are our philosophies that I don't think can be understated and I think are in decline in this age of entitlement. So from when I hear something, when I hear a good, um, whether it's a, a, uh, a speaker talking or, um, or in a book or whatever, when I hear somebody just putting it in a new way that those topics, it's like, yes, yes, somebody is saying what 
I feel to be true. And that, that feels good. That's nice. But when you hear a philosophy and you're, you kind of go, that's something that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I could be a hell of a lot better at incorporating. That I really, I really like when I can grasp onto that and, and, and find something that can, can, can manifest itself into my life in a way that will vastly improve me if I can just have that humility to incorporate it. And not just humility, but discipline, because incorporating new things is not easy. We tend to fall back into our old patterns. Um, so speaking of incorporating new things and improving ourselves, I'm going to do like I said I was going to do 10, 15 minutes ago and head into the gym now. I know this has been a kind of a, an odd episode, but if you've stumbled upon this and you enjoy it, please let me know. Um, I, I don't know what is the best way to move forward with this this series. I know I touched on a lot of the initial ideas I wanted to get into early on. Um, I started actually writing a, a book about some of those ideas and then I, I kind of abandoned it because I think they were ideas that other people did a better job of, of uh, covering. But I still wanted to talk talk about them from my own perspective and largely for my own benefit. And so I went through some of those. But so I've, uh, some of the basic ideas I've, I, I think I've really gone over in great detail. Um, so I don't know where I'm going to go from here. Hopefully slightly more structured than, than what today's episode has been. Although that being said, this has been kind of fun too, to just ramble a bit. So yeah, like I say, if, if you've stumbled upon this and, and want to offer feedback, like I said, that's, I'm, I love getting feedback. So, uh, please do. I have various ways you can reach out to me. Um, I'm on Facebook. Usually I'm posting weird shit on there. Um, because one of my other passions is, is writing and I like writing satire. So, so I'll, I'm often putting things that like when I have an idea, um, I'm, I post something really sassy on there that pisses people off. And that's kind of, well, I don't know that it's totally the point. They say that, you know, humor is the way to change the world, right? It's hard to see how ridiculous you're being unless you see it through the lens of comedy because that kind of, it's a funny balance. Here I go on another tangent. If you find something offensive, you're not going to laugh at it. That's just the way it is, right? If you find it personally offensive. If you find it offensive to somebody else, you can kind of laugh because it's mocking somebody that you find to be foolish and you kind of feels like that person should be mocked. On the other hand, if they're mocking some aspect of you that you hold near and dear, um, huh, just look at those, those comic writers in Paris that got, you know, um, murdered because for drawing like a picture of Mohammed or something that per whoever was behind those things were so deeply offended that somebody would talk lightly, take their religion lightly that they murdered for it. And this isn't, I mean, 
as much as religious fundamentalism is, seems to be on the decline, political fundamentalism is on the rise, steep rise. People are losing their minds. It's unreal. Um, and the thing is, so if, so all that to say that when you're offended by an idea, um, you don't find humor in it, even if it's like positioned as a joke. Um, it's funny because, you know, my, my ex used to love Jim Jeffries and she loved because he was like, oh, he's always on the edge. But looking back at his material, he wasn't ever on the edge. I mean, he said fuck a lot and that might have been taboo when he started out. You know, it's like, oh, he said the F word. Oh, my. But mo most of what he said was actually pretty mainstream. So, so essentially, the, the only people that would be offended would be either people who were kind of on the extreme or people that felt they were being accused of being extremists. Um, so... So that's not the intention of, of what I post. I, I don't want to offend people because that's not very helpful. It just pisses people off, which is sometimes fun, but that's not the intent. The intent is to, I like it when you can laugh at yourself, right? That's one thing that I don't like about the world today is we've lost, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. The left has lost the ability to laugh at themselves and they're suffering for it the left used to be the domain of the creative, right? But they're not creative anymore. They're, they're hampered by their own rules of political correctness. And, and don't get me wrong, sometimes rules on creativity makes you more creative, right? Like that's the birth of innuendo and things like that. Sometimes that's fun and that, that makes you more creative. But when you're holding yourself back for fear of, um, the backlash of, of the mob coming after you, that's not helpful to creativity. And, and John Cleese and, and Ricky Gervais have been very outspoken about the damage that this is doing to, to the arts. Um, I mean, art is in part, it's being free and being, but it's also an editing process. It is, you know, when you're writing a book, then you you let yourself be free. You say these things, but then you have to go over it and refine it and make it make sense and edit it um, and make it concise or, or convey what you want to convey. Or sometimes it's too concise and you left out things and you're like, wait, I rushed through that. It didn't make sense. Anyway, um, I feel that the, the left especially have, have lost the ability to laugh at themselves. I mean, just look at just look at um, mainstream media. When was the last time you heard a a joke about from from the left for one of their own? You don't ever hear it. When have you? What about jokes about Trump? Well, the left makes jokes about Trump all the time, but so does the right. Isn't that weird? How the right can laugh at themselves? They can see that they can see that Trump is a total goofball and and eccentric and weird and, and says foolish things at times and they don't mind joking about it. They have the ability to say, yeah, this guy's a bit of a doofus, but guess what? You guys are losing your minds over it and it's kind of hilarious for us to see you lose your mind. Hey, left, 
what about Joe Biden? And the right will make fun of Joe Biden because he's basically uh, like a potted plant at this point. He has no, he's he's a puppet like for for the left and more and more he's becoming an, a puppet for extreme leftists. Um, but they can't see that and they can't see the humor in it. They can't see the humor in, in his gaffes and, and the things he says that contradict themselves within, a, <laughs> within the course of a sentence. So the people on the right uh, find it hilarious. The people on the, the left get infuriated because they can't, they've lost the, the ability to laugh at themselves. I'm in the fortunate position of, I, I, I like to walk the line because there's, I consider myself a centrist. Although that being said, uh, I, I've heard extreme leftists suggest that they are centrists. Everybody thinks that they are the normal, right? So I get that. I think if you were to look at me objectively, I lean a little bit more right. But that's more to do with the fact that in today's day and age, freedom of speech is the domain of the right. It used to be the do domain of the left, like when I was going up through film school and stuff. So I was always more liberal. Um, policy wise, um, I, I didn't like that the. Um, I've always been, I've been brought up for the hard work. You, you earn what you get, right? But also that what you get shouldn't be taken away, you know? Um, so when you're overtaxed, um, which is what the left tends to do, especially, you know, they, they feel that, well, if you are very well off, then you kind of owe the society, right? Um, I've, I've always felt more like, well, if you're well off, that means you've succeeded in the society. And should you be paying more? Well, yeah, but at the same rate, I've I've been more a fan of, let's say, a, a, a straight percentage tax so that everybody's incentivized to make more, uh, even at the top ends, all those people that they're, they're, the left seems to be so resentful of be, for having been successful. Even John, even people on the left at, at one point, they... they like I remember seeing John Lovitz getting all upset at um, at Barack Obama because he's like, I pay millions of dollars to you every year. How dare you come and tell me that I'm not paying my fair share? Uh, that's kind of how I see it, too. Um, that to me is an example of someone who's on the middle. He's more liberal. He's a Democrat. He, he even said in that same speech, he's like, I've voted Democrat all my life. And here Obama is telling me he's spitting in my face telling me I'm not giving you enough, you know? Um, and he felt very betrayed. I felt very betrayed by um, by Justin Trudeau and some of the things he's done. Now I just, he's been better in his second term, I'll, I'll admit that, or maybe I just care less, I don't know. Um, but no, I, I think he's, in his first term, he wanted to be Mr. like, different and, and Mr. Virtuous. And he's, he's, and then he, Barely, barely. He just scraped in. And I think he's aware of that. I think he's smart enough to realize that he nearly lost. Um, so if he doesn't want his his government to be obliterated, because that tends to happen in Canada, you, you'll, you can get in. Um, this happened in Ontario, actually. You can get in for like a second term or whatever. But then if you keep going the way you were, like if you just scrape by, y your government gets obliterated, like to the point where the the provincial liberals almost had to uh, disband in, in Ottawa. Like they had something like 3% of the vote. Um, I, I think he realizes that 
that's not a good way for it. And good on him, um, I have to say. And and he's been better. He has been better. And yeah, I always say give credit where it's due, right? Even if it's someone you don't like. Um, as opposed to what, what's going on in the States right now, Trump is saying, you know, we need to get back to a normal world. We need kids to go back to school in the fall and that. And people are losing their minds. They're like, oh, you're saying you want kids to die. Uh, of course, they're saying that. And and someone, I think it was uh, Andrew Clavin. He is the best. If you haven't listened to Andrew Clavin, he's so funny. Um, and he's like, you know what? If if Trump really truly wants the kids to go back to school, he should just say, the kid. I don't want the kids to go back to school. And then the left will do his work for him. And the, and the media, who tends to have a lot of the power of influence these days, which is very scary, if you ask me. Um, Wow, that was another ramble. But anyway, I tend to see myself in the middle. And I say it because I... The reason I say it is because I appreciate both sides and what they have to bring. Um, in in my book, it's it's called Time Again, uh, which I know isn't a word. But one of the observations I make in it is that the 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 role... So the left, if you ask people on the... Not even the far ref, left, but middle to far left i've heard them say oh the the right is the are the ones that moved they're the ones who became extreme the right doesn't move that's the role of the right they conserve they preserve they try to keep things they're it's the right who says if it's not broken don't fix it the left says things can always be better now i kind of agree with both which is why i say i'm a centrist i i see the the merit of both I agree. I think, um, which is why, like in in Canada, the Conservative Party is actually called Progressive Conservative, which is kind of a brilliant name because it's it's sort of that's sort of what what appeals to me is the idea of one foot in what works and one foot in advancement, right? Because we can always be better, but at the same time, let's do it wisely. Let's pay attention to the past. Let's not burn down monuments and say, well, we, because we were born later, we're so much better than you. No, we need, and, and okay, that's, I know I just kind of skimmed over a very complex issue. I don't mean to sit here and say that uh, there's, there's no monuments that, that maybe they shouldn't stand, but also in a civil society, you should um, address it in a civilized way. If you're doing it in a way where you don't respect the past, then you're going to make the exact same mistakes of the past. Um, now, they don't want to believe it. They think this is a foolish idea. Again, that's... And they, they don't see it. Because all of us tend to be a bit blind to... Um, there's actually a saying that's been going around, and, and it's been on the left... Um, again, Clavin brought brought this to my attention. Um, that you know, if you're a fish, doesn't know that it's in water. It doesn't think about it. it it's like, or you tell a fish it's wet. What is wet? You know, it doesn't know. Once you're in that, and and he interestingly pointed out that a lot of these people in the news media these days are so tyrannical that that's the water that they're in. They can't even see it. And when you're saying that it's appropriate to tear down a monument of something because you've gotten got it in your head 
that that person is not as virtuous as you, that's not really a necessarily a wise way forward. That was my stance when, when here Trudeau wanted to legalize marijuana. To his credit, they've actually done a very admirable job of it, right? Um, they, they rolled out an education system. They, they had um, government-sponsored uh, uh, information sessions in that. Um, they've been very forthcoming about the fact that it is a drug and you can be intoxicated just with, you know, any other drug of that nature. But my whole thing was, well, if we're going to legalize it, maybe that's a good thing. But first, we should have a full understanding of why it was made illegal in the first place. And if those reasons don't make sense today, then fair play, right? Let's let's change things to reflect our values of today. But that's different from completely destroying um, your history, tearing down monuments, destroying statues because you think that makes you a good person. No, it makes you a vandal um, and it makes you look completely uneducated because uh, these people, you ask them, well, why was the statue made in the first place? What was it about about this person that, that made them worthy of a statue? They won't know. You know, Martin Luther King, There, there's monuments of him. Should those come down? I mean, it, it came out a while back that there was um, that there was recorded uh, evidence that he was involved in rapes. Does that diminish the the great work he did for for race relations? In my opinion, you know what? None of us are perfect. Don't get me wrong. It, the The suggestions of the things he did are heinous. Does that make him? Does that mean his statue should come down? Well, I think we should maybe have that discussion. Um, if the feeling is generally that he did some... The, the good things he did outweighs the bad. And what we want to remember is the good things that he did. So let's keep a monument to be inspirational to everybody. I'd be okay with that. If the feeling is that, yes, he did good, but that's overshadowed by his dark secrets... Um, so we don't we we do want to uh, remove this monument. Well, I'm open to that discussion as well. You know, like I I honestly I, I think these discussions need to be had in a rational and and civil way. Um, that's what progress is all about. It's about one foot in what works, one foot in trying to get better. Um, going back to what I was saying about my book, I I found it funny that the the people on the left think that the right is moved when in fact the place of the right is to stay as stationary as possible where the job of the people on the left is to push it forward and that's why I, I respect both sides because I think you need somebody um, innovating you need people pushing things forward and but at the same time you need somebody there to the parent that holds back the child you know and let them explore but don't let them jump off a cliff, you know? Um, so the child is almost like the the left and the parent is more like the right. And so I think it's no coincidence that as people mature, they tend to go a little bit more right and in their um, in their philosophies because, you know, you, you take on more of that role of the, of the protector and, and protect preserving what is good 
more so than um, trying to advance things and improve things. It's very hard. There's a, a small window of time in there, I think, where we can have a little bit of both. We can appreciate the advancement while uh, preserving what is good and, and remembering the past in, uh, in a good way, in a helpful way. Um, that was definitely not the intention of today's podcast. <laughs> but anyway, this time I really will leave it there. Uh, and I am going to go work out. Till next time.